So welcome to the Hybrid Podcast. Um, hey, Mark. Uh, we've got uh, we've got one of the Hybrid Originals, uh, Mark Bentham, uh, who joins us today. Mark is one of the original Hybrid success stories. So Mark has been with us actually for um, two years now. I was an engineer we were really keen to get on board for uh, one of the first Hybrid Podcasts to tell him about his journey. Mark has had an incredible journey over the past couple of years, starting out um, branching out on his own and now sort of employing um, three engineers and a business which has is, which is really sort of grown spectacularly. Uh, over the past couple of years. So Mark, maybe just to, to start us off, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how you got started in the industry and, and where you're based. Uh, yeah, so my name is Matt Bentham, uh, based in Leeds. Um, when I was 16, my mum, I, well, I, was, I was into my football at first, I always thought I was going to be a professional footballer. Um, but then that didn't work out, unfortunately. So my mum, so I've got to put, uh, put thanks to her really. She uh, she pushed me in the direction of uh, a plumbing apprenticeship. So I started uh, doing a plumbing apprenticeship um, way back when in 2003. Uh, I worked for a company who primarily subcontracted to uh, British Gas, who primarily subcontracted to Leeds City Council. So what we did then was we, um, we basically started fitting full central heating systems um, related to council. So I was working with, with one of the guys. We used to do two central eightings a week, which was great. So we used to do one on a Monday and Tuesday, one on a Wednesday and a Thursday, and we used to have Fridays off. So when you're apprentice, when you're apprentice that was great. Mm. Um, then the money changed. So they made you do three a week, uh, three, three full central eating systems. So we did one on a Monday, finished it Tuesday, started the next one Tuesday, finished it Wednesday, and then you did one Thursday and Friday. So, that was that, and then we moved on. The money went down again, so you had to start doing one in a day. Uh, so we did. We ended up doing four central eatings a week, or five central eatings a week, and that basically people think your quality goes down. But when you've been doing it that long, you know the house types and things like that. It, it just it's just the norm. So we went doing four slash five central eating systems a week, um, and then that's where we got the speed from, and the, you know because we get British gas audited and stuff, so you're not allowed to cut any corners or anything with them. So. That's basically where I started. I started doing apprenticeship, working with British Gas, and then when I was qualified, I then went and did the lead engineer with working with my sort of apprentices or my second man in command, and I could take the a little bit, you know, the cream off the top as such, really. Yeah, great. So when did um, when did Bentham Heating Services start? When did you take the plunge to go out on your own? Well, I was. It was difficult. So when I was nineteen, I qualified. Um, and then a couple of years later, it all changed around with the company that I was working for. So I went subcontracted back to the same company that I was on the books for um, in, when I was 21. So in essence, I'm 33 now, but in essence, I've been self-employed since I was 21 years old because I got pushed into it, really. It wasn't a choice that I made. It just and it sort of happened naturally, really. You know, It wasn't something that I, I took a... A conscious effort to do it. Just that's just how it worked out at the time. It sort of, and then it was a lot easier because everything. Then when you become fat registered or you get gross parent status or whatever, because you're self-employed already, it, everything just becomes a little bit easier as such. So yeah, it kind of worked out the best for me. Really did that. Got it. So um, kind of when we met you, Mark, I guess a couple of years ago, you were really kind of starting to do much more of your own sort of private work and sort of a little yes. less on, on the subcontracting side. So what, what, what was the sort of split when you sort of, you know, when we first met maybe two years ago between sort of private work and subcontracting? Well, subcontracting, it was, I mean, it's a funny story really in the fact that I saw my mates all around me and stuff and 
uh, they're all progressing in their lives and all sort of making a little bit more money. And and I was thinking, I, I went on, I went on holiday. This is just a brief story. I went on holiday uh, skiing with a few lads and. Couple of them were builders, so they're making the same money when they're away. Um, one of them's a stairlift engineer. I mean, he owns a stairlift company, making the same money when they're away. One of them manufactures panels, um, so again, making the same money when they went away. And I'm sat there looking at all these people who are still earning money while they're away, and I'm not making the money. I'm I'm my company. I'm fitting. So if I'm not fitting, I'm not making money. Mm. So when I was subcontracting, um, I decided to take the plunge and basically have a look at lead generation just might maybe buying four or five leads a week seeing if i could just convert one or two of those make a little bit more money free up a bit more time so that in the start it was i was subcontracting and buying a couple of leads a week as it happened when i was buying the lead the same company i was working for subcontracting for they were buying the same leads so mm. I ended up quoting against the company that I'm working for some of the time and they found out i didn't know and they said basically you've got to make a decision you have to work for us full time uh, and stop doing what you're doing, or you go on your own. I think they tried to force my hand to say, stop doing what you're doing. But basically, I took the plunge and uh, started buying a few leads and getting off recommendations and things like that. And then, yeah, trying to push my business forward, really, like say, yeah. to where I am today, or great. part of where I am today. Good, no, that's great. I think, look, we'll, we'll, def- we'll definitely come on to that, because I think, as, as you mentioned, Mark, um, quite a lot of the engineers that we work with um a lot of them have a similar ambition to you that they love to get to a stage of um you know as, as you say sort of being on holidays and some other people doing the work and the money still yeah. coming in rather than you just having to having to do it yourself so um so when you so when you started to kind of you know when you when you made the decision look i'm gonna go on your own um you know as i was kind of saying quite a few of our engineers that come to us are very early in their stage as well and they're kind of saying okay you know i'm thinking about doing it myself but i'm not sure how to start if you were to kind of look at yourself back then um you know what what advice do you think would you might you give yourself for um, when you're starting off i think it's just take a risk really okay. um i don't think this is not been like but my everyone says i'm a workaholic so that's just how i am so I, I want to be the best that I could possibly be, you know, in my field that I'm in now. So it's hard work, don't get me wrong, it's very, very hard work in what we do. But it's basically just have faith in yourself. And if you if you have ambition to do to, to do well for yourself and provide for your family and yeah. you know you know, make money and but it's not about make it is about making money, but to, to me it's about having something to look back on and think that you've built like yourself and basically just taking a risk. That's what I did. I just took a risk. And yeah. so far it's paid off. I'm not going to say it's going to be like this forever, yeah. but you know, yeah. but I'll be yeah. well, it will be. So yeah, that's, no, yeah, exactly. That's exactly. I think Mark will come on to that because you mentioned yourself, but I was going to bring that up. So obviously Mark and I know each other for a long time at this stage and I can definitely say Mark is a bit of a workaholic. So yeah. Mark is sort of six days a week up, up at the crack of dawn and home, home late evening. So as, as ever, that hard work um, pays off. But Mark, you mentioned um, that uh, you, you, know, you started by buying leads. So um, you know, that's again, something that a lot of our, our engineers sort of think about and something that we're sort of helping some engineers with now. So you know, what, um, you know, which kind of companies did you, did you buy from? How much were the leads? How did you find them? Well, some of them, so there's a few, I've, obviously I've been doing this for, I went properly on my own two and a half years ago, something like that. I met you maybe two years ago now, so pretty yeah. much at the start. Yeah. Um, it was very much a trial and error basis. I, I, I used a few companies. I used a company called Quartartis. 
Um, I use a company called Lace to You. I use a company called Lace to Trade. I use Boiler Guys. I use Homes Media. So there's, there's there's quite a few lead generation people out there who are selling leads, but it's about getting the like you can pay. The more you pay, for me, the better the lead. Well, that's just how it is, you know. So like you can pay twenty quid a lead and it's a non-qualified lead so basically in telephone number you get an address i don't know how they find this the companies where they find them but you get you pay 20 quid they give you a number they give you an address and you ring up and they might say no sorry i, I don't want a boiler it's like well you know you can't send that lead back it's literally just a telephone number and an address and they yeah. might have just clicked on the facebook or whatever and just said Oh, interesting in a boiler. They might want a price there and then on the thing, mm. but they've put the details in. It goes to this company. I ring them and then they're like, "Oh no, I, I, I've not, I've not interested in a boiler because they just want." See, it's all about quality over quantity for me now. Mm. I don't. Mm. I'd rather pay more for less than less for more. If that makes, makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah, I mean, look, we're we're obviously working um, with some of the lead gen companies now um, in the quotes sort of quote concierge that service that we have, and we've kind of taken the similar decision that we. We want to kind of go with the bigger, better, better leads to help our engineers mm. sort of convert them. Any any tips on on converting the leads? Anything that you sort of learn to sort of really help make sure they convert? Yeah. So for me, over the last couple of years, it's again, it's a learning curve. So I'm I am quite a people person. So I go out and it's about building that rapport with them first. So for me, it's going and compliments always go a long way. So oh, you've got a lovely house. What are this dog? You know, but. Bring a bit of a report. It's not literally going in, spending five minutes in the house, looking at the boiler, oh, this could be this much. Like, you can do that over the phone. Mm. For me, it's more about going to the house, speaking to a customer, making them feel at ease because, you know, you can get a boiler anywhere these days. You can get a boiler online, you can get a boiler at the merchant, get somebody to fit it. So, for me, the one, a lot of customers want the, not family feel as such, but the feel that they're getting looked after in their own home and they're getting something where, you know, I'm the I'm their USP. I can go out to sell the boiler to the to the customer, but then they feel that they've always got my telephone number rather than going to a call centre or rather than going to you know somebody that they don't know or whatever. So for me, it's about building a rapport with the customer for maybe 10, 15 minutes before you go in, and then oh well maybe when you're in there actually not before you go in. You can ring them before, don't get me wrong, but when you're actually in the home, making them feel at ease with you and then trying to make them believe in what you're selling them basically without mm. trying to. I try not to be a salesman. I'm a heating engineer, so I'm not a salesman. I'm not I'm not turning up in a suit with a briefcase and, and what have you. A lot of customers don't like that. They like the more authentic look that I turn up in my work clothes. I always apologize for how I look when I walk in. I say, oh, sorry for how I look today. You know, I've been busy or whatever. So I try and just sell it as though I am a heating engineer, try and give them the best value for money, no commission, no this, no that. Just me giving them a boiler, good service, and then me looking after them in the future years with a servicing, hopefully. Great. That's really interesting to hear, actually, because, um, you know, as, as you know, Mark, before we did what we do now, we were sort of a boiler installers ourselves. And yeah. That, that first part, that rapport building is something that's so important. So it's something when we sort of speak to some of our more successful engineers that um, that, that first bit of rapport building, right, because, you know, a customer's going to spend a couple of grand on a boiler. Yeah. And like I say, it's really important that they actually get comfortable with you. Well, you can't buy that. You, you can't buy yeah. that report. You, it's not something you can pay money for and say, oh, I hope you're going to be, you know, you've got, you've just got to sell yourself and be honest. You know, yeah. if you're honest with a customer, I, I'll say, look, I can't, I can't beat that price sometimes, mm. you know, but 
what I can offer you is I can offer you me. Mm. I can offer you, you know, the fact that I'm half an hour down the road. You know, yeah. I can offer you the fact that you don't have to go through a call centre. You know, I can offer you the, the, the warranties rather than if I go bush, you know, you, you're with the manufacturer rather than being insurance-backed warranties and all and everything that goes with that. You know, you try to sell yourself as a business. Mm. That you know, I'm the business basically. Yeah. So yeah. that's why that's why I look to do. Great. Yeah, I think the, the other thing again that you that you mentioned that we, we found in our business as well was um, is this idea of being local. So when we had our when we had our um, installation business, so we had we actually had two websites. So we had the original hybrid website was a website for um, for customers to go and get a get a new boiler, and then the, we had another website called Midlands Boiler Group. And okay. Midlands, Bo- Midlands Boiler Group, we probably that website we probably did in you know, half a day, we did it very quickly. And the Hyber website, we spent ages doing it. But actually, 70% of our business came from the Midlands Boiler Group because what we felt was exactly what you said was customers really want local. They mm. want to know that the, you know, that the engineers from their area, as you say, they're half an hour down the road. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's funny what you say. That's some of the things, some of the same things that we very much found when we were. Uh, you'd, be, you'd be amazed how many people say, where you're coming from before you get there, where you're coming yeah. from. It's like, oh, yeah. well, I'm coming from Leeds. All right, yeah, that's quite close then. So they yeah. want the fact, they like it, the fact that you're yeah. not coming from a million miles away to give yeah. them a quote. I went to somebody the other day, they got a quote, it was £200 less than me, but they were coming from Stockport and I was coming from 20 minutes down the road, so they'd rather pay for me to be local service the boiler going forward. So what if happen, What happens if anything goes wrong? Have they got to come from Stockport to start my boiler out and stuff? It's just local, yeah. is, is, it, it has become quite key for me, really, I suppose. Yeah, I agree. Great. So, so Mark, moving on then. So, I think you should mention the importance of um, you know building rapport with the customer, um, emphasizing local. Then to go on to something which I know it's a bit of a debate with engineers. But um, do you um, quote in the home? Do you give the customers a price yes. and how much? Okay. Yes. Tell us about that. So obviously, with using the hybrid that I have, it's it's great because yeah. I have all my pre-made templates set up on my app. So whether it be on my big iPad, my phone, you know, sometimes I don't take my iPad if I'm working and a quote, a lead comes through or where are, you know, it comes through. So I might just do it on my phone. But cause mm. the great thing with the hybrid app is the fact that obviously I can use my phone, my iPad, whatever. Anyway, so that's what I use when I'm in the house. Now, obviously, mm. you build a rapport with the customer. And then what I don't what I don't like is I found that if you, if, if you do go home, and say, oh, I'll get back to you with a price. You go home, you find it so hard to get in touch with the customer um, mm. after you've been there. Sometimes mm. they don't have phone, they want some emails or whatever. So if you give them a price there and then, mm. for me, what, what harm does it do? You know, you can you can sometimes get a decision there and then and say, yeah, yeah, go, I'll go ahead with it. I like that. I like you. I like I like the, the product that you're offering. Yeah, when can you book me in? It's just if you go home, then it gives them a chance to think about it. It gives mm. them a chance then to get somebody else in before you get a chance to get that quote back. Mm. Um, so for me, selling on the day mm. and being able to give that quote in the home is mm. massively beneficial for me, I think. Do, so anyway. Do, do you get many customers who do accept there and then, or do most customers say, that's great, thanks for the price, I'll think about it and come back to you? Or do you I'd say, else? no, I would say, I, I mean, it might not sound a lot, but I'd say 20% will probably say in the home, yeah, I'd, I'd like to go ahead. And that's okay. 20% more than you would get if you wasn't quoting in the home. Yeah. You know, yeah. you might, so you might win 10% of those of those 20%, you know, sorry, half of the 20%. So you, yeah. it just gives them opportunity to think. I know it sounds awful, but as a salesman, you've got to think like that for your own business. Yeah, of course, you yeah. Know, you've, you know, you've got to think, you know, I want, I want this sale without trying yeah. to be a salesman. 
yeah. but I do want this. I want to be able to fit this boy. I said, oh, so, thank you so much for your business. You know, yeah. when would you like me to book you in and all the rest yeah. of it. So yeah, yeah, again, you build that report, you've given the quote, and then you yeah. go on to the fact of the installation, which is what you're there for. Yeah. What you, you, can't you kind of have to make them feel that secondary to you yeah. building that relationship, I suppose. Yeah. Look, and Mark, that's a lot of what these sort of podcasts are about is, yeah, as, as we know, like a lot of engineers, what they're great at is the is the technical installation, right? Is mm. how to get a board on the wall. But the other bits around like having a business and, and you know, selling is, is something that the kind of engineers have to learn. And so this yeah. part of what these podcasts are about is, is, is trying to, to um, you know, share some experience of other engineers. So do you follow up with the quotes? So in the instances where you... Um, you know, maybe get a quote to the customer, whatever, the next day or, or two days after. Do you, do you follow up the customer as much? Yeah, every, every customer really. Okay. So if I, if I, yeah, so if I go into a home and they, they haven't said yes there and then, they might say, because oh, obviously the customers, the might just put a price, you know, you just don't know what, the, what they're after. It's hard mm. to gauge, it's like buying anything, you know, sort of like mm. buying a car or come back to you or, or what have you. So mm. yeah, I always follow up and just say, hi, Mark, I've meant to make just wanted to have a chat to Sorry, if you've had a think about what we've talked about or anything like that. And if I say, yeah, yeah, I'm still thinking about it, then I might call them in a week or something like that or whatever. But again, I'm, I'm not a push salesman, you know, by any stretch of my I want to come across it. I keep, keep reiterating is that family feel, you know. So I will, I'll ring them once. If they're still not interested, maybe ring them again in a week. I'll send them an email. If they're still not interested, like um, I've just had a, um, an email today from a customer from 2019. My boiler's gone down. She sent me the quote that I sent to her through the hybrid app. She sent me that through and said, 18 months later, can you come out and, uh, are these quotes still live? Can you come and uh, change my boiler? So it's not always about there and then. You know, if you build that rapport with a customer in the house, again, you might get them coming back in four months, 10 months, 18 months time. So, mm. um, yeah, so it's not all about there and then for me sometimes. Cheers. Good. So, Mark, listen. Obviously, you know, told us a little bit about how you started. Told us a little bit. I sort of say sales techniques. So, tell us about the, the business today. Obviously, you know, big success to, to where you got today. So, how many sort of people have you got with, with you? And sort of how many, you know, how many borders are you doing per month roughly at the moment? Yeah. So, dog and it's not been easy to get to where we are. It's, the people that work for you are basically the lifeblood of your business. You, I, I can work. 78 hours a week. I can go fit in during the day and I can go up quarter at night. But unless you've got that team around you, like I have hybrid in the background, ordering my materials, booking the jobs in, you know, whatever, taking the money. But unless you've got that install infrastructure behind you, then it's pointless. You know, you, you're forever going back to your jobs. You can't get on your no recommendations and things. So finding that right person or right people to work for you is, is I found, is the hardest part of the, yeah. of the whole job. Because yeah. you can do as much as you want on your own, but without that people behind you to install, it's, it's impossible. And yeah. um, so I have had a few, I'd say, questionable people working for me as such. Like you've got yeah. an order the jobs, and you know, flues out clip going through lofts, or you know, you've got, you know, it, it's so hard. But you, I've, I've stumbled across, or well, I've worked with a lad that I work with now for ten years as a family friend, and you know, he didn't have his gas originally, and now he's got his gas and he's He's a great lad, you know, you can leave him on his own, he just he just does the job, he's fantastic. And then a couple of lads that work with the British Gas who are subcontracting um, to British Gas, they run me a year ago asking if I had any works, British Gas work dropped off, uh, they get the budgets and things and with COVID and all the rest of it, they said to me, um, have you got any work? So I, I take them on as a subcontractors for a while and they've just sort of grown and grown and grown and grown and I just kept them busy, but it's nerve, it's nerve wracking. 
putting yeah. people on, you know, and trying yeah. being, being responsible for three people plus yourself, you know, as yeah. a small business. But yeah. for me, that's the only way that you're ever going to be successful is is by employing people. Yeah. And then obviously on the back of this, the install is the initial part of it. And then going forward, it, for me, it's more, I'm, I'm not mirroring myself on, on some other companies, but I know that self-sustainable companies that I've worked for subcontracts in the past build up a customer uh, database. And then what they do is they get the servicing contracts on the back of that. So although you've got your installs, you might have a customer paying £70 a year for a, for a service and then you might get another customer then they might recommend it mm. to a friend, you know. Mm. And that those all those £70 per year, but you're servicing your own boilers that you've installed, creates then a business where it's mm. not just install, 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 you know, and trying to get money for, you know, living week to week, you know, it's a business then and it grows like that. So that's where mm. it's installed now, but obviously going forward, it will be become a servicing install business. Great. So, you, so Mark, you mentioned you've now got up to up to three engineers um, working working for you, um, and I think like a lot of um, as as I kind of as we we're talking about briefly earlier, um, some of the engineers we work with are starting to think think about bringing on an apprentice or bringing on a subcontractor. Um, any things that you've learned in uh, in trying to get that right? Oh yeah. So I've had <laughs> I, I had an apprentice working for me, and it's. Don't get me wrong, it, it's fantastic to think you can mould that person into you, basically, mm. and that's that mm. would be ideal. Mm. But when I first started being a, an engineer when I was 16, I was on £55 a week. And then the second year, I was on £75 a week. And then the third year, it went up to £150 a week. So I'm only talking 16, 17 years ago. Mm. But it just seems like everybody now wants to be on three, 400 quid a week starting and it's just like mm. and then but they don't realize obviously you've got to pick them up every morning or drop them off you've got to pay the holiday pay you've got to pay the public liability employers liability insurance so as an apprentice it, it's fantastic but you've got it, again it's about having the right person because i a lot of my friends were working as laborers when i was 16 17 they were earning the three four hundred pounds a week and mm. um, and it's it's hard to swallow when you're that age and you want to go out with your mates and you want to buy nice things and things like that. But I thought about the long haul um, mm. and basically my parents, you know, they pushed me into that sort of area and won't yeah. let me quit. And obviously you, you die, you're busting it to quit sometimes when you're, you know, a kid. Yeah. But yeah, but it's fine. Again, it's find that right apprentice that wants to be in it for the right reasons as such. And so yeah. I'm still, I, I, don't get me wrong, I would take another apprentice on tomorrow if I found the right person, but it's just, mm. it is difficult. Mm. to find the right person personally yeah. and what do you do do you do you interview them or do you get them to join you for a day or two or how do you sort of what's this sort of assessment bit to try and decide yeah so it's yeah I, I interview them um, and see where they're at see where they're at in their life see what they wanted where they wanted to go mm. see what progression they wanted it, mm. obviously with Covid last year it, it didn't help with the whole apprentice situation either because it was like coming on and going off and obviously they're getting furloughed. So as a kid, they don't want to be coming into work if they can earn the same money and being at home. So it's like, mm. it's it's so difficult. But yeah, so it, it's, yeah, it's just been a judge of character really and see, yeah, seeing who yeah. wants to come and, you know, yeah. and who yeah. wants to learn, I suppose. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds like attitude is a big thing, I guess, right? Attitude is massive, yeah. Attitude. Yeah. 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 Is, there, is there anything you can sort of, anything you've found that's, 
helpful in, in looking for that or do you kind of only find it once you you've got the engineer trying for whatever a couple of weeks or a couple of months yeah so we've been on we've been on indeed you know looking for people mm. and we've been on a few different like i don't know what the, what the word is really but like sites to be able to bring people to my business yeah but it's so difficult because obviously if I, no matter who i talk to whatever trade they're in now they're mega busy so mm. it just feels like unless you're stealing something from another business that's already got a job that you're offering a little bit more the right. people that aren't in work now there tends to be a reason for it or generally there tends to be a reason for it why they're why they're not in work and such so it's yeah. it, it's it's just so difficult finding the it's staff tricky. it's so yeah. difficult yeah i can imagine when they're so imagine- when, when they're representing your brand and they're representing your installation company yeah. and stuff and you know you, yeah. all you want is them to go do an install leave the job customer leave a great review and then yeah. see me again in a year's time for the service. You don't want all the stuff that goes in between. Yeah, yeah. So, Mark, you've you've got up to three now. So, what was the progression yes. like? So, when did you uh, when did you hire the each of the, or when did the sort of three guys start to work with you more? Um, so, what my first lad, like I said, that's been on in, with me for ten years. He's been mm-hmm. basically since I was an apprentice. He's, he's a family friend. We, we, he's a year younger than me, so he's been working with me for a lot for the company that I was subcontracted when we were both apprentices for the same company. Yeah. And then he's sort of progressed into just working with me full time. And then, mm. so when we were doing like boiler swaps and such, we were just doing like the bigger installs. So like the uh, system to combi swaps or what have you that take a day. So you need two men, basically my second man. Um, and then just progressed him into being a gas engineer then. So, mm. and like say he can go on his own now with another lad and he can teach that lad basically. So he knows my principles and how I want jobs to be done and things, which is great. And like I say, the other two lads, um, the brothers, the both gas engineers, the both, I think one's 48, one's 52-ish. Um, so I've seen the standard work before. Great lads, don't cause many problems. Just go to work, do the job and go home. And that's just what I want, really. Great, great. Cool. So, Mark, listen, obviously, you know, two, two years so far. So it feels like yes. uh, some of the elements of success, I guess, feels like a lot of hard work. Yes. <laughs> um, taking a bit of risk, um, working with the lead gen companies. We covered a bit on sales. What What's next? Where would you? Where, where's the plan for the business from here? You think? Um. So yeah, basically. Sorry. Um. It's more to do with more of the same really. Cause I don't. I've seen a few of my like say friends of mine. Uh, they're in the same business, and it's sort of. I'm sort of caught in limbo a little bit at the moment. Do I push it to the next level mm. or do I stay doing what I'm doing and just be happy, live a nice life and not have to be too stressed? Because so, once you start getting to that next level of business, mm. we're, we're going to get a website this year. So the website, we have Checker Trade now for reviews and things. But um, do I want to then push it to the next level where people can start buying boilers off my website? You know, is that the next progression? That's what I need to think about next. Oh, I'm happy just doing what I'm doing and just growing the servicing business. So I'm a little bit in limbo at the moment with that. I'm not quite sure where to where to go next, really. Good. Okay. Well, Mark, we'll have to do a check in with you maybe six, twelve months time and see where the business. Yeah, no problem. I know with your work ethic, I'm sure it'll have moved on. So we'll have to, we'll have, to <laughs> have to see how it goes. So, so Mark, listen, thanks very much for, for doing this podcast. Really delighted to get uh, someone like you on for one of our first podcasts. Someone who's been with us for two years. And congrats on the cheers with us. And uh, looking Thank forward to catching up soon. Thanks, Gillian. Cool. Cheers, Mark. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.